is in the house. Amen. You know, just all kinds of junk trying to prevent this, and I'm just excited and looking forward to, to what God's going to do tonight and tomorrow night. And, the fact, and I can tell that he's already started on some stuff, okay? And there's some stuff happening, and there's all kinds of things that we would, like, normally do, but we, we ain't about being normal, okay? So look at, look at somebody sitting next to you. Look, look, look down the aisle and tell them, I'm not scared. Okay, look the other way and say, don't get nervous on me. Okay, because uh, what we're going to do tonight, what we're going to do tonight is we're just going to, it's like we're going to just release the Spirit of God to just go nuts. Okay, you ready? Are, are you ready? Are you ready for another level of revival in your life? Okay, yeah, well, just realize that more revival means more repentance, right? More repentance just puts you in a position for greater power telling you that the miraculous is the fruit of obedience and when all we're doing when we repent and when we turn things right with God all we're doing is getting back up on top again and, and we're declaring to the you know I just love that that you know it's just looking at the devil eyeball to eyeball and saying I'm back and man I'm telling you what man if the church gets back to its rightful position we're going to do some damage to the powers of darkness and we ain't sitting around worried about the devil's response. We're rising up and taking, we're taking the initiative. See, I just want to remind you tonight that the devil's not messing with you. You're messing with the devil. And tonight, that's what we intend to do. Would you give that up? We'll just give some praise up to God, thanking him for getting our friend here. Come on, Scotty, you ready? You ready? Let's go, man. Come on, give it up for Scotty Grulek. Hey, somebody, say revival. Come on, somebody shout revival. Man, this place is hopping. This is better than any club. Come on, somebody. How many glad you're at church tonight? They got a little, little something, something. It's coming. Yeah. How many of you love Pastor's son? He's all awesome with the... I, I need that haircut. Whoever did your haircut need to give me a line like that tomorrow. I used to do lines, and then I got revived. Just celebrated my 33rd wedding anniversary last Saturday. Eight grandbabies now. Oh, I didn't have them. Come on. But my kids are full-grown married. I have eight grandchildren. I've been coming to the Tri-Cities for a long time, but I've never been to the garden. And this is pretty radical. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a shout and a praise. And a... Well, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. Y'all ready to go? Y'all ready to pray? Y'all ready to have some more altar time? Y'all ready? Come on, lift up both hands real high and say, Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for reviving me, for, for touching my soul. This week, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm able because you made me able. I'm stable because you made me stable. I'm committed. 
I'm accountable. I'm consistent. I'm on fire. Someone say, this place is on fire. <laughs> Come on, somebody clap and shout and thank the Lord. I almost wrote a wrecking ball in. High five somebody and say you look good tonight. Well, Pastor Tom and his family, how many of you love your pastor? Come on, somebody. My God. Thank you, you guys, for loving us and all of you, actually. I know he told you a little bit about the spot that we were in, and uh, a storm came almost four months ago and blew the roof off the place, and... Uh, Literally, we lost everything, like all the beautiful stuff that you have here, chairs, uh, plaster ceiling. It was built in 1950. It's a beautiful building. We had the biggest storm in the history of Arizona go right through our church, a big microburst in the desert. We lost everything on the inside, but the people were believing God. How many know God makes all things new? Come on, somebody. Sometimes the crowd is fickle. Someone say, sometimes we're fickle. So sometimes crowd, when you don't ever follow the crowd, follow the phenomenal few. Never follow the nominal masses, because nominal Christianity will wreck you. Nominalism is one of the isms and the schisms that I don't ever follow. So the phenomenal few are always faithful. You remember when they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna, we love you, Jesus, you're our Savior, woo! They took off their, their outer garments and their cloaks, and they laid down their garments, and they, they put down palm branches, they waved them, and they said, you're our Savior. Seven days later, that same crowd said to, said to the ruler, said, give us that rapist and that murderer over there and kill that guy. That's fickle. No, I need someone to help me out. That's Christianity and believerism that I don't ever want to be a part of. You know, and I think about what would I have been like in that day? Hosanna and waving branches, then like, give me the rapist and the murderer and kill that guy over there because now we don't want him seven days later. Revival will change that in your life. I need somebody to say something right there. Revival. I was... Uh, very, very messed up when I met my wife. And uh, her family said, if you're going to date our daughter, you're going to come to church. And uh, my mom was married five times. Two guys were live-ins, so I had seven dads. And uh, no revival in my life, no God in my life, not even going to a Catholic church. And then I met Jamie. And she was born again. And uh, I was a complete hoe. And for, for everybody in this room, I'm not talking about a ground-moving instrument. Come on, somebody. She went to a cross-town rival school. I was at another school. And uh, I knew who she was. I played football. I wrestled. And she was a cheerleader. And um, God got a hold of my heart. And... Then I got saved, 
during a revival in a Baptist church, it was a revival that changed my life. And I remember this preacher preaching fire and hell and brimstone and worms that that will never die and they'll they pass through they go through who whatever we look uh, someone looks like in hell and there's flames and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth he's a big guy he's stomping around big guy six foot five preaching his guts out and i was he literally scared the hell out of me i ran to the altar and everybody and their dog, my wife's youth pastor, Jamie, her mom and dad came over to pray with me. And I, sh- I shoot everybody off because I was messed up. Like, I didn't, one, I didn't know if it's so dark in hell and there's fire there, then how come you can't see? And how do worms live where there's fire? Come on, somebody help me out. And, but God got a hold of my heart and weeping, and wailing, and gnashing of teeth, and finally, the guy came down with the pastor, and put their arms around me, and prayed with me, and I still left that building, that revival, I had not asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, so I went home, and I got on my full-size waterbed, I'm going somewhere with this, they've got some images I gave them, Uh, Last minute, I'm trying to buy them some time because God really spoke to me about tonight, and uh, um, so they're they're working on it. But um, I went to sleep on a full size waterbed, and uh, guess what I dreamt about? Hell, (laughs) worms, fire, demons, gnashing my teeth. Wailing, screaming, and I woke up just like this on the top of my waterbed. Ah! Screaming on my waterbed. I thought I busted it. I was sweating from head to toe. My mom came running in because I spent six months at a treatment center in Hobbs, New Mexico for drug and alcohol abuse. Cocaine was my drug of choice. Acid was the other one. And then speed because I liked the way it made my hair feel when I combed my hair. <laughs> my mom comes running in. I'm like, I'm screaming. Ah, you feel hell. It's hell. hell. There's worms everywhere. My mom yanked me down off my full-size waterbed. Come on, somebody. How many you know your moms can get very strong? She yanked me off my full-size waterbed, said, what's wrong with you? And I said, I got to get to the phone. I got I to gotta call Jamie because I was in hell and I was burning and there were worms. And she says, you're never going back to that cult ever again. I said, right, mom, a Baptist church is a cult. I got to call Jamie. So I ran to the f- front near the kitchen. I pulled the phone off. Some of y'all can remember. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Jamie's dad answered. I said, I need, I need someone to come help me. I'm burning. I was burning in hell. My mom just slapped me and said I was on drugs again, yanked me off my bed. I need you to come and get me. Her family came at 2 in the morning and picked me up and took me to the pastor's house. 
first time in my life, we come up to a doorway that was ginormous. We rang the doors like, dong. I was expecting Lurch to come to the door. The door opened. There's a pastor in his, in, in his robe, and his slippers, and the whole house had plastic running everywhere. Everything was wrapped in plastic. We walk in the house. We go into this big, classy furniture room. It's all plastic. We sit down. It's like, whoa, I didn't do that. Every time I moved, it's... And the pastor said, let's get down on our knees. You want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I said, yes, sir, I do. It was 3.30 in the morning at this time. And Jesus came into my heart. And he filled the hole in my soul. And I ain't a hoe no more. And whatever your issue was. Before revival, before Christ, before something happened, which was literally revival in you, a turnaround, a complete change, whatever your issues that produce tissues, whatever your junk in your trunk was, come on somebody, we all got junk in our trunk. What are you going to do with all that junk in your trunk? La, 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 la. La, 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 la. Don't let this white hair fool you. I just stopped dying it. <laughs> I was a just for man supporter. <laughs> Jesus fills the hole in your soul. And then you and I aren't what we were before because we all have holes in our souls. And God radically changed my life. I got saved. And I got baptized, and I became the youth pastor at my wife's church one year later, year and a half later. I've been, come on, somebody, and I've been ser serving this generation, married for 33 years, serving this generation, traveled the world, spoke to a million point two young people in 33 years of ministry, and seen tens of hundreds of thousands of young people's lives change. That's what revival does. I want to know if anyone loves Jesus tonight with all your heart, all your soul. Come on, revival. How many of you love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength? Pastor, I'm so pumped to be here with you. How many of you love your pastor and his awesome bride? We love you. My wife wanted to be here just to hang out with you. So I have a word for you tonight. That's what God did in, in my revival and then been living revived and not the same person. I've never been with or touched another woman since I met my wife. I was absolutely messed up before I met Jamie. I've been faithful and committed. My kids are both serving Jesus. My son is Gregory Dickow's youth pastor in Chicago. Come on, somebody. Life Changers International. My daughter... Uh, is worship, worship pastor at our church. She stays with us, and uh, I just want him to keep cranking out grandkids because I love this season in life. I want to talk to you about what do you do when you go through this. I'm going to park in Acts 27 and 28. 
And at first you're going to go, what does this have to do with revival? What does this have to do with me? And if we can just take a little journey. Is anyone excited tonight? Come on, somebody. Lift lift up a hand. Put a hand on your heart. It's going to be fast and furious. Everybody lift up one hand. Put another hand on your heart, which is a sign of covenant. That's what they did in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, Father, we lift up our hands. Someone help me pray right now. Someone help me pray. Someone help me. That means pray out loud, revivalists. Come on, somebody. Lord, we lift up our hands. We lift up our heart. We lift up our voice. We lift up our head for you're our redemption. God, we lift up our head tonight. We are not looking down. We are looking up. We are not going under. We are going over. We are not drowning. We are swimming. We are backstroking. We, we, are, we are swimming in this river of revival. God, I felt it the minute I got here, but the minute worship started, it was insane. Lord, we lift up our hands and we thank you that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Cause people to stop drinking. Cause the addicted to become unaddicted, but then they become addicted to Jesus. I'm addicted. I'm dependent. Woo! I can't live without your love. I can't make it for a moment. We're addicted. We're dependent. Give us Jesus or I'll die. We become addicted to you, Lord. Thank you for your fire. Thank you for your desire in this room. And may this be a few moments tonight that continues the moments that have happened two nights in a row. And Lord, make revival spread into people's homes, spread into the schools. I need someone to help me out right there. Spread into the colleges, spread to our communities. Use us. Use us. Use this church. Use the garden. You have broken it open, Lord, because they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're passionate. People have been being set free, and we want more, God. We want more of you. If you want more, someone shout, I want more. Someone give the Lord some praise. Somebody give the Lord a clap and a shout. In Acts 27, will you go there with me? Y'all excited? Acts 27 and Acts 28. We'll not read the whole thing, but you know the story. So we'll break it down just a little bit. First nine verses, we're not going to read them all. Paul's on a ship with 216 souls, prisoners. They keep having problems with the ship. I'm going to break it down so I don't have to read it all to you. First nine verses are about they're going here, they're going there, they're changing things up, they're having to fix stuff, they're having to deal with this wind and this storm. This is right in my journal. These are the last pages of my journal writing for revival. Are y'all excited tonight? I'm excited. Chap, you're not excited. I'm going to be excited. Anyone excited tonight? Verse 10, let's pick it up there. And he said unto them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage. This is the apostle. This voyage, this is going to be with much hurt and much damage, not only of the lading of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master, uh, believed the, and then the owner of the ship, the master of the ship, believed in more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Jump down to verse 14, but 
Not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called an Euroclidon, which is actually, in our terms, for the ocean and seas, is called a northeaster. A northeaster. And this is a big, bad storm. Someone say a big, bad storm. Someone say it like, like with an attitude. Go. Big, bad storm. Look at someone say big, bad storm. All right. Verse 18. And we being exceedingly, verse 18, we being exceedingly tossed with this tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. They were getting stuff off the ship. Verse 20, and when neither sun nor stars could be seen in many days and no small tempest laid on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. All hope was gone. Verse 21, but after a long Abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss to any of any man's life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me an angel at night, an angel of God whose I am. And whom I serve, saying, Fear not. How many of you like it when angels show up and they say, Fear not? You're like, Shh, shh, come on, what? How come angels always had to say, Fear not? <laughs> okay. Because they're awesome, big, bad warrior, honking messengers that were, of course, were afraid. Come on, somebody. Fear not. God has given thee. You must, verse 24, don't be afraid, fear not, for you must be brought before Caesar. You see, they're trying to get Paul. They loosed off Crete, and they're trying to get him. He must appear before Caesar. And lo, the last part of verse 24, God has, God has given thee all them that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe that uh, it shall be even as it was told me. And uh, verse 27, uh, 14, but when the 14th night had come. They sounded in verse 27, the fathoms and it being 10 and then 20 and then a little further. They found it again in verse 28 and found it 15 fathoms. Then they fearing they should have fallen upon the rocks. They cast down four anchors. Someone say four anchors in here. There's a reason for this revival. God has something to happen here in your lives. They let down four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And verse 31, Paul, I'm only jumping around for a reason. It all leads to the story. But Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. Long story short, in verse 40, and when they had taken up the, the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoised up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. Verse 41, and falling into a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable. I have some images that they might be putting up there while we're reading in a minute, but a hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill all the prisoners, lest any of them should swim and escape. But the centurion, the main guy, willing to save Paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. 
and the rest of them on some boards and on some broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all to safe land. Then we pick up verse 28. He's lost everything. In chapter 28, excuse me, start with me in, in, in uh, verse 1. You've heard this story, but I want you to really understand what happened here and what happens during revival. And when they were escaped, they, they, they knew that the island was called Melita and, and the barbarous, the barbarian, the barbarous, whichever version you're reading, New King James, King James, people showed us no little kindness for they kindled a fire and received every one of us because of the present rain, the storm, and because of the cold. Here we go. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, they came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer. Like how did they know Paul was a murderer? They just said, no doubt he's a murderer. Whom though it hath, he has escaped the sea, yet this vengeance suffereth not to live. Look at verse 5. And he shook off the viper into the fire and felt no harm. And howbeit they looked when he should have swollen up and fallen down dead. Suddenly after they had looked a great while, this is ours, and Paul's still alive, and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds from calling him a murderer a verse ago and said that he looked like God. Some of your versions say that he was a God, that, that he looked like a God, little g. Other versions say that he looked like God. And this is a, a barbarian type of people. Let's keep going. When they saw no harm came to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. In the same quarters, of this island, the chief man, the chief of the island, whose name was Publius, who, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. This is a barbarian island. And it came to pass that the father of Publius laid sick of fever and a bloody flux. If you go to medical thing, that means dysentery disease. He's dying. He has a fever. There's a reason for this for revival. Someone say, I'm excited tonight. I'm excited tonight. Someone look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Here it comes. Here it comes. He's dying. But Paul, look at verse 8. But Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and he was healed. So when this was done, they brought others also which had diseases, and the whole island came, and they were all healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. In other words, they took care of them. And Paul saw and thanked God and took courage. And then the rest of the chapter is about him getting to Rome. I want to ask you a question tonight. What did the viper grab a hold of? What did he grab a hold of? Show me what he grabbed a hold of. Now say, what is that? Manos. Someone shout, hand. 
Someone shout, hand with passion. One, two, three, go. Hand. Now, he could have bit his face. He could have bit his earlobe. He could have bit his neck. He could have bit his nose nostril. He could have bit his lip or his eyeball. But the viper bit his hand. You're in revival right now. This church is in revival, and you might not, it might not stop. I need somebody to say something right there. Revivals can go on a long time. Many souls saved, many people healed, and someone's going to get healed tonight. I need a big amen right there. It was not, Pastor, it was not a coincidence that he got bit in the hand. A few verses later, he goes and he lays hands on the main superficial of the island. The main, he was the chief. And then they brought others who were diseased and sick and afflicted. And the whole island experienced revival. Did I tell you that Tri-Cities is your island? Right, Pastor Tom? Braveheart? Oh, I forgot to tell you, it's my island. You know the little crazy guy? Your pastor's the little crazy guy. I need some help right here. He's that little guy that could throw that sword. He's that guy who owns Tri-Cities. I mean, God's going to give you guys the city, right? The Bible says that God will give you the city, right? If other churches don't want the city, you say, we'll take, come on, somebody. If other churches don't want revival, you'll say, we'll, we'll take revival. If other churches don't want healing, then you say, we'll take healing. If other churches don't want the spirit of the living God, then you're saying, we'll take the spirit of the living God with signs and wonders and ice cream and chocolate with a cherry on top. Come on, somebody. Write this down in your notes. I have two points for you, and I'm going to preach it hard about revival. The area that the devil is attacking in your life is the same area that God is about to bless in your life. The same hands that got bit, blessed. The same hand that was bit brought blessing. When you get in revival like this, and that viper, we got a couple images of vipers, whatever they want to do with what I gave you, but what you survived in the past empowers you with the anointing of God to overcome anything that attempts to rob you of your peace today or in the future and the blessing of God. What the enemy is persecuting in your life, God is about to promote in your life. Anyone in here feel persecuted in some area in your life? Let me see your hands. Any finances, friendships, relationship, job, can't seem to find the right job. And every person in this room has been bit in your life. Every person in this room, what kind of viper are we talking about? What kind of snake lives in fire? Come on, somebody help me out right here. You know... This was the enemy. And any time you get bit, you will have family and friends who do what these barbarians did. Look at me, everybody, or if you can watch the screen, but I'm going to do it. Ooh! They're going to swell up and die. Ooh! That divorce? They're not going to survive that bite. 
Ooh, that bet. Someone go, ooh, with me. Go, ooh, louder. Go, ooh, that hurt. Ooh, that bite. Ooh, that pain. Ooh, that pass. They're not going to make it to shore this time. They're not going to make it. They're not going to survive that bite. You got bit. Something ended, something failed, some business, some bankruptcy, some disease that you're fighting in your body. We all get bit. Some divorce, some adultery, some affair, some betrayal. Someone stabbed you. We all have bites that happen. What happens during revival is whatever it is that you keep thinking about over and over and over and over that you keep and I keep replaying over and over and over and over. You remember in the Gospels when Peter answers Jesus is talking about nothing that has to do with forgiveness. He's talking about agreement in prayer. And Peter answers and responds with, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother who offends me? Seven times a day? And Jesus goes, no. Seven, no. Peter is saying something that has nothing to do with what Jesus is teaching. He's talking about some hurt that he has or something happened. How often should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times a day? No, 70 times seven. What is that? 490. Now what is Jesus talking about here? Because if someone hurts me 150 times a day, I'm not hanging out with them anymore. Come on, somebody. What is this passage about? He's telling them about agreement, and Peter's all talking about forgiveness. Why did Jesus say 470 times 7, 490 times a day? Is it really that Jesus was saying that someone's going to offend you 490 freaking times a day? Or is it that you might possibly think about who bit you and hurt you 490 times a day? Revival breaks the power of unforgiveness. Your hate holds back your harvest. Your unforgiveness holds back your revival. Your hurt and your pain from the bite holds back your harvest and revival. Harvest of souls, harvest of income and increase, a harvest of winning people to Christ, and a harvest of People being delivered and set free. Last year, our church had 165 people set free from crack, meth, cocaine, and heroin. Last year alone. 17 beautiful young ladies who were pole dancers with little kids who had to do it, found their way to our church, and now they ain't dancing on the pole no more. Come on, somebody. It was a bite from divorces and a lifestyle that they got in, but they are still thinking, so are you. Did you Jesus said 490 times a day. And if someone ticks me off, makes me mad, offends me and hurts me, and let's just say 150 times to forgive them, I'm not hanging out with you anymore if you're hurting me like that. I need somebody to help me up in here. You and I have been bit. I got bit. There was a generational curse. Divorce. My mom, five times. My dad, five times. Two live in, seven total dads. My dad married five times. He divorced his last wife, Beth, and married her older sister just recently. 
That's how jacked up my family is. I've been married longer than all my family. All six of my siblings have been married and divorced twice, except for my baby brother just once. All of them, get this, with extramarital affairs. When God gets a hold of you during revival, he will break generational curses in your life. He will break. I need someone to help me up in here. He will. What are you thinking about? Oh, it's so much in your life. In my life, it's like this. They're invisible to me. You see them out in public, and now they're invisible. They're in another church, and they did something, or you used to go there. They're invisible now. Who are we as the body of Christ to people come to church and go, wow, there's a lot of hate there. I love it that there's not a lot of hate in this church. But all of us have people that are, have become invisible to you because it hurts just to think about them. It was so bad, so harsh, the bite was so much out of the fire that you and I can hold on to it, to the pain and the shame and the blame, but revival breaks that stuff. Divorce was over my family, my mom and dad's family, extramarital affairs, and Jamie and I broke, oh, I need, I need, we broke, I need some help in here. We broke those two generational curses, and now my three full-grown kids have strong marriages now, each for almost a decade, raising up godly kids in ministry full-time, and bro and sister in here, I was a hoe before this and God can get a hold of your life and your heart and fill the hole in your soul you will not be a hoe no mo you're like sitting there going why well, ain't a why well, ain't a hoe but you think like a hoe well I'm not dealing with that and maybe you are maybe you can't stop your eyes from going here and going there maybe as maybe as men you undress women every time you see them Maybe you're totally wrapped up and addicted to pornography and it's free now and an image this big controls your life and you're sick of it. And it is every man's battle. Every man's battle. And it'll keep you blind, boxed, and begging. It'll keep you blind and bound as a man and you don't feel like lifting up your hands and worshiping God or living for God. I'm not going to ask oh, how many men in here are wrapped up in porn because no one's going to go, me, me, I'm a, I'm a pervert. <laughs> but your bit and the Holy Spirit is the only one that can get a hold of you during revival. And listen to me. Everybody under the sound of my voice, because I came here on a mission and a mandate for tonight and tomorrow night. You are anointed to do one thing and one thing only when you get bit in your life. And that's to do what the Apostle Paul did. What did he do? Say it like you're in revival. Shake it off. Come on, somebody lift up your arm and shake it off. One, two, three, go. I think you should be walking through Walmart tomorrow and you feel a bite, you should go, ow, wow. I think, guys, if you're struggling, you got to put the blinders on, just go, ah. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Come on, somebody. Garden church was fast as lightning. Somebody shout, shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off, baby, now. Shake it off, baby. 
Twist and shout. Twist and shout. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, baby, now. Come on, baby. Let's work it. Some of you know what I'm doing right there. My God, someone high-five somebody and say, shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. The same hand that God bit, God will use you to bless somebody. The same hand that God received a bite from the viper, from the enemy. God will use you to bless somebody at work. God will use you to bless somebody at school. God will use you to bring somebody to church. God will use you to... We got to stop thinking about it 490 times a day because nobody offends you for I always wonder, what is that story about? Peter, what the heck are you talking about? Jesus is talking to you about agreement. And you start going, well, what do I do for my brother who's hurt me seven, you know, sins against me seven times? Who sinned against me? Do I forgive him seven times a day? No, 70 times 70. Jesus was saying, stop thinking about it. I declare that over this church. Stop thinking about it. Get over your past. Revival gets you over the shame. I need some help up in here. Get over the blame. Get over the guilt. Get over the bite. Get over what happened. Revival changes lives. It changed mine. It changed yours. Now, if I were Paul and grabbed a hold of a viper, I'm going to use the mic as a viper. Can you put a picture of the viper up on the screen? When it came out of the fire, you got that, pit, you got that image of the viper? Yeah. Good job, Shona. You know what we do? Ah! It's a snake! Snake! Devil! Snake! Paul just went, shook it off. But if, I, if, if we could hear Paul's conversation, if he had one, be like this. This is the snake. Ready? Are you ready for this? Remember all that Paul went through on the ship. I want you to think about yourself as I talk like this. This is the snake. Hey! 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 Do you know who you're messing with? Do you know who you just bit? My, I just lost a ship and shipwreck. Do you know who I am? You used to scare me, but not anymore. Huh. I'm still standing, you're still standing, but there are people who will always say, ooh, they're going to swell up and die. Ooh, that church, when it launched out, when it started, they'll never make it. The garden, there, there's always naysayers who will, if by the way to put it is, will try to, as it pertains to your destiny, to try to speak some negativity over you, now I'm speaking as your church and as you personally, 
in the most difficult, darkest days of your life, there are always people that try to predict as it pertains to your destiny. There are always people that expect you to swell up and die from the bite. They don't expect revival. They didn't expect you to be fired up. They don't expect y'all to be growing like this. They expected you to not last. And not only has the garden lasted, but this place looks amazing. Come on, somebody. They didn't expect you to stay married. They didn't expect me and Jamie to stay married. Now when I go to my class reunion, I'm the guy. Half my class is divorced. A third of them are dead. A third of them are dead. My class was 730. A third of them are dead. Now it's like, Pastor Scotty, will you pray at the big baseball stadium? Will you open up our class reunion? Jamie and I did. I could run for mayor in my hometown. I don't want to run for mayor. I don't want to be in politics. Come on, somebody. But I could. I was raised in Roswell, New Mexico, where the aliens landed. No aliens there. If I ever saw any, I'd eat them. They taste just like chicken. Come on, somebody. But 250,000 alien worshipers come every year at their parade and the annual thing that believe in aliens. It's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in your life. But I did get abducted one time. I got abducted by the Holy Ghost. I got abducted, Pastor Tom. I got abducted. You got, I got abducted. The Holy Spirit took me up to the third heavens, and I got probed and everything, man. It was, it was, they, I got changed, rearranged, and the Holy Spirit brought me back. But I had to shake some things off. Revival's about shaking some things things off. Why have you been coming to the altar every night? Because you're shaking some things off. Your ship got wrecked. You let down your anchors maybe too soon before you reached your destination. They let down their anchors too soon, but God gave them a promise through the angel of the Lord said, you will not perish, nor the 216 souls on this ship will not die. He had a promise from God. You felt in times of your life that your whole ship blew apart. You and I have been through stuff. Am I talking to anyone in here before? Any, anyone ever experienced any kind of hurt and pain in your life? Shoot your hand up and say, oh yeah. And some of us in here still think about that betrayal. And when you see them in Tri-Cities, some people, you just walk the other way. I don't even want to talk to them. But whatever, man. You know what, God? They could, they could die of cancer and I wouldn't even care. And we'd say things like that. And we, we want to be, we want justification. We want to be justified for the pain and the hurt rather than to forgive. Jesus said, I can't forgive you if you won't forgive them. You cannot have true revival until you forgive so much that you forgive them for real. And when you run into them at a store or at another church event or you run into them at home, home Depot or Lowe's or you run into them at the movie theater and they were at your old church or they were old family or it was someone before, you can actually look at them 
and say, hey, oh, it's real quiet in here. Some of you are like, oh, hell no. <laughs> no. They bit me. They bit me. I hope this is okay tonight because God told me to tell you that this church is not only going to shake some things off, but you're going to shake some things up in this city. There are people that talked about you and said you're never going to make it through. There are people who said they're never going to survive that bite. There are people who said they're never going to make it safely on shore again. But here you are. I said, here we are. Someone say, here I am. Someone shout, here I am. You're still alive. I'm alive. And I'm still standing. Antoine Fisher. Here you are. Surprise, surprise, surprise. You know, pastor used to lead worship. And I'd be there at every, at least a couple times a year. When Pastor Tom would lead worship, I mean, the Holy Ghost would show. Come on, somebody. Some of you, I mean, the Holy Ghost would show up in the room over there. And I'd be like, man, that brother's anointed. I'd tell Pastor Doug, I'd tell Marlando, Marlando, my hair was darker. I think Marlando had hair. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just joking. When I went to Bible college, I learned a word called ethno-compulsory cultural conceptualization. <laughs> ethno-compulsory cultural conceptualization, which is a big word in fancy terms, which means that it had, worship had to do with the color of your skin. I was Baptist in a mostly all-white and Latino church. I ended up in Australia the first of 13 trips before Hillsong's, they called their conference Tidal Wave, and Darlene Check was an intern in a corner office, and Jeff Bullock became my friend, the guy that wrote Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Jesus, Lover of My Soul. And I went every year. But the first year I went to New Zealand and Australia, I saw the Aboriginal people and Australia has a lot of Asian people. And Australia has a lot of Latino people. And Australia has a lot of white people, a lot of color. And I need you to understand, when God is moving in revival, it's legit. Come on, someone say legit. But in these fancy terms, the first time I went from what I learned in Bible college, I, I was a guy who was Caucasian, a white guy, who did not worship in a Baptist church like that. And I was taught in school that people of ethnicity... Uh, respond to worship like that. And I went for the first time and I saw the reason why people worship cray cray. I saw the reason why people worship cray cray. And the reason why people worship cray cray, because it's not something you learn at Bible college like this word, ethno-compulsory cultural conceptualization, that it had nothing to do, worship, I need you to hear this. Worship has nothing to do with the color of your skin. If you're white or if you're African-American or if you're Latino, certain people from certain geographical locations of the world worship God the same way. 
until I started traveling around the world and the revelation from Scripture came true from Psalms 30 and verse 11. It has nothing to do, you don't have to put that up, I got to do this for revival. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. In other words, if you're watching people go cray-cray like you guys in worship, the reason they're going cray-cray for Jesus is it has nothing to do with whether they're black or white or brown, whether you're GED or PhD, or whether you're Barrio or Beverly Hills. The reason why we worship God cray-cray is because the size and proportion of the magnitude of my praise and your worship is directly consistent to the size and magnitude of the hell that God's got you out of. It has nothing to do with color. Worship and revival have to do with the size and magnitude and the direct proportion of what God, the hell, he set you free from. I want to know if anyone in here will give a cray-cray praise for Jesus right now. Come on. I said cray-cray. Woo! Yes. Somebody's been delivered of some magnitudinal stuff and that's why you worship my God pastor high five somebody and say you're cray cray here I would go ahead and sit down I don't know why you are jumping up for anyways cray cray people pastor I look at you lead worship and there's this white guy up there Loving Jesus and going cray-cray. Then every color in the church was going nuts. You guys. God really saved me right out of that Baptist traditional, stiff, religious. I got set free there. But I had to get out of there. And I took my wife right into the four-square denomination. <laughs> you talk about direct opposite spectrum. I want to pray with you at the altar and have pastor, you know, let us know what to do and how long to do it. But I want to declare over you that with this revival for the supernatural, can your keyboard guy come up or how? There they are. I was about to, they're, they're there. They're like, whew. With this revival, someone say supernatural. supernatural. Someone shout it, supernatural. supernatural. God will not only grant you favor, but God is going to lift you up even in the presence of those voices that said that you would swell up and die. Someone, someone came again tonight for a word and then a response at the altar. God's going to lift you up, you and your family, you and your spouse. If you're single, he's going to lift you up. Hold your own hand if you're single. Come on, somebody. He's going to lift you up. And I want to pray for you. And as children of the cross... Listen to this phrase. As children of the cross and products of the upper room, we have the power to shake things off. 
Look at me. We are children of the cross. And we are products of the upper room. And God has given you the power to shake things off. The bites of the enemy. And so we can forgive and stop thinking about the shame, the blame, the hurt. 490 times a day of how much they hurt me. Stop looking at the snake and shake it off. Stop screaming, they bit me. I can't forgive them. And just shake it off. Because he's anointed you to shake off the bite. Your ship is wrecked. But remember what I said. Two points to this message. The same hand that got bit, God will use to bless. What was the second point? The very area that you and I, pastor's son, any of you, the same area that you're being persecuted in, God is about to promote you in. A matter of fact, all the areas you're being persecuted in, God's going to promote you right through it and right out of it. He's going to take that bite that you did receive. He's going to take your hands to a lost and dying world because of revival to an island per se called Tri-Cities and beyond. And he's going to use the same you that got bit. He's going to use the same worship team. Everyone up here has been bit. We all have a past. We close your eyes and lift up your hands. We're going to have an altar time and pastor's going to come up here. I rebuke that mindset in the name of Jesus that will think about the bite and the hurts 490 times a day. I'm going to pray over you right now. When the viper comes out of the fire, just shake it off. Come on, lift up our hands. We have Christians walking around, hanging their head down, and oh, I can't believe what's happening in culture. I can't believe what's happening in politics. We got people in here saying, I can't believe ISIS and wars and rumors of wars. I can't believe, you know, nuclear stuff. I can't believe our choices in the candidates. I can't believe how fast our culture has changed. And God sent me here. We're going to lift up our heads. And we're not going to worry about that stuff. We're going to shake off what's happening in culture. We're going to set the pace in culture. We're going to shake off the bites and the hurts and the racism and the pain and the disgust and the change in culture. And we're going to be the culture of the kingdom. And for those of you, keep your hands up and your head up. For those of you that let your anchor down, what does that mean? You lowered your anchor. You lowered your faith before revival. You lowered your righteousness, maybe. You lowered your standards. Maybe you've been dealing with stuff before this revival, and even tonight, you lowered that anchor, and it blew apart your ship. But God gave you a promise that you would not perish, that you would not be destroyed by what you went through. And someone came here tonight to receive a word again like you did the first two nights. You were not destroyed. You did not perish. And you did not swell up and die from the bite. And I'm looking at people that look a whole lot like God. I'm looking at people that are no longer murderers like Paul was no longer a murderer. I'm looking at people where barbarians called him what he was. Because he murdered Christians and children and men and women. And how did they know that? How were they speaking over Paul, his past? And he, when the snake came out and bit, 
He looked like God after he shook it off. I'm looking at people during revival. If I want anyone and everyone to get up and get up here at this altar right now. You know you've been bit. You've been tired of thinking about it. You've been hurt. There's pain. Get up here to this altar. And I'm going to turn this over to pastor. And I'm going to start going out and laying hands on, on you guys. Come up here to this altar. What, what, what happened while they, while they play? Come on. You can kneel. You can lay down. You can lift up your hands. Pastor's going to take over from here, and we're just going to lay hands on you. And if you get hungry to eat, he's going to let you know when you can slip out. We'll be back tomorrow night. That's awesome. A lot of people responding. I've been watching the pictures. Come on. Someone's going to forgive somebody tonight. They're singing, I'm no longer a slave. Seven times a day. Someone who sins against me, 490. Stop thinking about it. Because that person didn't hurt you even 150 times. Jesus put it that high so we would stop thinking about it. Father, I pray for my friends right now. I'm turning this over to pastor, but I'm going to come lay hands on you while they sing. You can sit, you can kneel, you can lay down, you can stand up. I don't care, but I'm going to come and I'm going to pray. I'm going to prophesy. We're going to believe God. Because you're in the middle of revival. Lift up that hand. Lift up at least one hand and say, God, real loud. God, you will use. Say it loud. You will use the same hand that God bit. Yell it real loud to bless. Yell it real loud to bless. You will use the same hand that got bit to bless a lost and dying world. My family, my friends, my neighbors, and where, say this one, and where I'm persecuted, I'm about to get promoted. Someone thank the Lord with a big praise and a big clap.